Hey guys, before we get to today's show, wanted to tell you that 30 for 30 is back with Breakaway, a film about WNBA superstar and activist Maya Moore. It explores her story. She's one of the best basketball players in the world, of course, how she stepped away from the sport for a remarkable reason, to fight for a man she believed was wrongly imprisoned. Watch Breakaway live Tuesday, July 13th at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, presented by Hyundai. Welcome back to the Mia Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks playing hardball has nothing to do with contracts and everything to do with fetch. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes, and I am overjoyed to be joined this week by my friend, our Bills reporter, here to help me preview the AFC East. It's Marcel Louis-Jacques. Marcel, how's it going? It is going very well. 70 degrees in Buffalo is always a great time. It's good vibes in Buffalo these days. And I'm excited to talk to you about that team. I think this is a really interesting division. I'm laughing because I make fun of myself because I do this every time. Um, I think the Bills are the clear favorite. Let's just start off here. But after that, there's just it's it's interesting. Like things could go a lot of different ways, I feel like. Um, And you see these teams, obviously, Twice a year, you know them well, uh, you are familiar with all of the changes to them, but let's start in Buffalo where there have not been many changes. Like this is, is pretty similar roster to the one that made it to the AFC championship. Like t- t- in your mind, let's just start big picture. Everybody looks at this Bills roster and th- everybody, the consensus is that it's one of the more complete uh, rosters in the NFL, top to bottom. If you had to pick the biggest hole or question mark on this team, Marcel, where would you go? Well, and, and yeah, you're right. It is probably one of the more complete rosters in the NFL. And that's what the front office thought. That's why 21 of 22 starters are returning in 2021. Uh, finding a hole in this roster just feels like the ultimate form of nitpicking. But if I really had to, I'm looking at either CB2 or or tight end. Um, yes. Levi Wallace, I, I think he's like, He's a, like a high floor starter, maybe low ceiling. Mm. And I don't want to, you know, I, I don't mean that as any form of disrespect, but I mean, he's been their full-time starter for three years now and he's getting one year deals at a time in the off season. So I, yeah. I think it's kind of clear what the front office sees his, his ceiling as, but I think he is a very high floor starting caliber cornerback, mm. but behind him, you've got seventh round pick last year, Dane Jackson, who he made plays whenever he was called on last season uh but he's still extremely unproven and and then it's just kind of a crapshoot after that you've got Rashad Wild Goose who I'm not going to miss an opportunity to say his name at any yes. point today top top uh, tier name. Rashad Wild Goose top tier six round pick this year um you know has the versatility to play nickel can play a little outside obviously zero snaps in the NFL Eliza Griffin Warren G son is on the roster as well. I mean, there's just... Whoa, 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 whoa. Pause. <laughs> you can't just drop that fact and then move on. Warren G's son plays for the Bills? The little regulate junior himself. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was just common knowledge, but it might have been because you know, I'm just in Buffalo and maybe, maybe things don't escape the hole here. 
<laughs> that is, that is but, incredible. Yeah, Man, G's he's got son. Warren G's son. Wow. Yeah. They better play regulators when he comes out and doesn't play because he's probably not going to play. Um, let, okay. So you, you, you named a lot of names. Let's start with the defense because CB2 is, I think, the pretty the most obvious not, not not it's correct. I don't mean to say like you, you chose the most obvious one, Marcel. But going into the draft, I think there was a belief that like okay, well, you know, the Bills have clearly been trying to replace Levi Wallace for years. They keep signing guys, um, and and one would think okay, maybe they're going to draft a corner, but uh, high, but they didn't. And it is interesting because it's the only hole on the secondary that is otherwise excellent, right? This is a very good safety duo: Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, obviously Trey White is. Uh, tremendous but you know and and then taron johnson's in the slot when healthy but like like you said like levi wallace they like him but they don't love him i wonder if you in your mind like there's still some free agent corners out there like your richard sherman's uh steven nelson who like comes up on every podcast when we talk about the absence of cornerbacks do you think it's possible that the bills might be waiting you know, until camp or whatever to bring in a vet at that position? I think it's possible. And maybe they use the spring to just see, okay, where are we right now? Like, to, let's make a determination of where we are at the cornerback position. Um, I, I thought that they played pretty well, considering there's no pads and the offense is going at, you know, like 75, 80%. Uh, but somebody in that secondary, mm-hmm. not named Trey White or either the safeties, made a play essentially every day. I mean, I think Dane Jackson even pick six Josh Allen, who was not super thrilled. I am not allowed <laughs> to say what was said after, but I think I can convey a tone here. Not super thrilled about it, but either way, uh, mm-hmm. I do think it's possible because like you said, there are, there's big names available and, and for the right price, I think Buffalo somewhere around $10 million under the cap. For the right price, I, I don't think it's the worst option in the world. Get a guy like Richard Sherman, get a guy like Steven Nelson, who can help you attack that Super Bowl window just because you don't know how long it's going to be open for. You never know. So while while you do have it cracked, you've got to do everything you can to make sure it stays open. And adding one of those guys would probably do it. But mm-hmm. again, like I, I, I can't disrespect Levi Wallace because the guy gets thrown at a ton considering yeah. the alternative is throwing at Tredavious White. He gets tested a lot and he comes up big a lot. It's just, he's a willing tackler. He makes good plays on the ball. Doesn't get lost in coverage too often. I just don't know if there's if there's one thing he does that you know you'd say okay he does this at an elite level, but you know mm. high floor. I know I've said it a lot, but it's hard to find a hard floor a high floor guy in the NFL. One other area of the defense I thought like when I was looking again to the draft that they might address was edge rusher, just because um, the ageless Jerry Hughes is getting older despite the fact that he continues to like play Jerry Hughes one of the great underappreciated NFL careers at this point um but he is getting up in the years Mario Addison's production has declined a bit uh I don't know how much they like AJ Epinesa based on what they saw you can tell me about that the Bills definitely addressed edge rush in the draft uh taking not one but two pass rushers Greg Rousseau who had that crazy bazillion sack season at Miami before opting out uh, widely seen as like, you know, massive upside guy, um, incredible physical tools. We'll see if that was a fluky season. And then Boogie Basham out of Wake Forest. Um, do you feel like it, this Bill's pass rush, which, you know, very blitz happy last year, did get a fair amount of pressure. Do you think that is going to be 
a strength of the team this season? Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you asked about that because it was it was such a focal point from mm-hmm. a fan's perspective last year that we're not blitzing enough that they're not really our pass rush is bad da 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 and it was like no like, I I think I spent an entire morning just on true media discrediting every complaint <laughs> somebody threw my way you know one of those <laughs> when you just sometimes you have time <laughs> uh, but you know they blitzed at one of the highest rates in the NFL. Yes. As a team, they had one of the best pass rush win rates in the NFL. Jerry Hughes actually led all edge rushers Dude. in pass rush win rate. Okay. They just had trouble actually bringing down the quarterback. And it was it was more of a coverage issue than it was a, a pass rush issue. Because mm. uh, you know, Josh Norman is still being integrated into the into the lineup. Uh Tredavious White was battling injuries. You know, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer can't be everywhere at once. So that you know, there was an I think A.J. Klein also was struggling to cover in the middle of the field with Matt Milano injured. Tremaine mm-hmm. Edmonds started slow, battled injury all season. It was more of a coverage issue than it was a pass rush issue. Quarterbacks were getting the ball off quicker than the average rate in the NFL. So, uh, But obviously, you know, they're not getting any younger. Uh, they made it a point, uh, Brandon Bean in, in the front office, to, to add to the add to the pass rush. Greg Rousseau, he's got all the, the lengthy tools that – they're looking for in an edge rusher and Boogie Basham's got the versatility to slide inside and play a little mm. three technique if he needs to. I think they love that. Um, as far as just a strength goes, I don't know if it's going to be the strength. I, I still think that lies in the secondary with White, Poyer, and Hyde. But yeah. I, I think it will be – I think they've got the the players, they've got the athletes to finish the job when it comes to rushing the passer. I, I think that um, – I, I think it'll be much improved from a stack total standpoint, but it's not like it was such a glaring weakness. It just looked like a weakness against Patrick Mahomes, but a lot of things do against that guy. Well, I love I love that they just drafted for depth. Like Boogie Basham and Greg Rousseau don't have to be dominant from day one, right? But I think the Bills would very much like them to then become to be to be to replace Addison at you know what I mean like as the season goes on and then next year obviously and again that's like what good teams do they draft for depth and we've seen the NFL if you have waves of pass rushers that is incredibly useful um in, in the playoffs I and you hit on something with the Bills defense that I think is um sort of explains some of the frustrations which is this is a defense that really just struggled early on and then got better as the season went on, some of that has to do with competition, but weeks one through eight, 21st in EPA, expected points added per play. Weeks nine through 17, fifth. Um, there were injuries. I think you mentioned that Edmonds played a lot better as the year went on. So like, I, I still think the strength of this team is the offense, which we'll talk about next, but the, w- the way the defense was trending and some of the additions make me think they're going to look more balanced at the beginning of next season than they did last year. Yeah, and that's like the that's the dream for people out here is that if you could take the 2020 offense with like the 2019 defense, yes. this is a team that looks they were so I mean, good. pretty impossible to beat on paper. So let's talk about that 2020 offense because Marcel, they basically brought everyone back. Um, some of the linemen who were hurt last year who were like, oh, kind of dubious, are healthy this year. That's kind of my question mark. Uh, and then they replaced John Brown with Emmanuel Sanders. But Cole Beasley's vaccination protest notwithstanding, everyone's back. Do you have any concerns about regression given the fact that Josh Allen made an unprecedented historic leap? 
<laughs> and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore the the <laughs> elephant in the room for a second here. But no, um, shots. no I don't no think. Shots. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. No shots today, but um, I, I think it, it's it's definitely possible. It's more than possible. It, it's it's reasonable to believe that Josh Allen in this offense can replicate what they did in 2020 because he's doing all of that what he did last year with a patchwork offensive line. He's still more or less running for his life on any given play. Uh, when you look at this offensive line right now, Deion Dawkins, Ford, uh, Mitch Morris, Feliciano Williams, they played zero snaps together as a unit last year because John Feliciano was mm-hmm. hurt all through the offseason. Didn't start until I think it was week six or seven. But, uh, you know, they're hoping to return at full strength. They've got more depth and offensive line. They've got a ton of depth at receiver to the point where you can't just focus in on Stephon Diggs. Because if you do, Cole Beasley is always open, as members of Bill's mm-hmm. defense will tell you during after practice. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is an excellent route runner, seems to you know be aging really well. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins is a name that I think people are going to get to know this season. Mm-hmm. He was a kind of a star, an early star of training camp last year, right alongside Gabriel Davis. Both of them, they're the drafted rookies in the 2020 draft. But Isaiah Hodgins went down with a shoulder injury, never quite recovered, needed surgery, and it ended his season completely. But he's clean bill of health this offseason. He's making plays all spring, 6'3", 6'4", 210 pounds. That is unmatched size as far as the Bills wide receivers go. And I think that alone, you know, height is kind of an overrated factor, I think, in, for a wide receiver. But that factor alone, you know, could give him an edge over a guy like we'll say Brandon Powell or maybe even Isaiah McKenzie uh, mm. or Duke Williams. So I, I think, you know, he's worth keeping an eye on. Gabriel Davis is obviously back. They they trusted, they they put the world on him as yeah. a rookie. They they said, you're going to play X, you're going to play the slot, you're going to play the Z, you're going to play everything. And he did it with a plum. He, he finished with seven touchdowns. Honestly, could have been like 11 because I swear every other touchdown he scored – it was called back for some for holding or illegal man downfield or so on and so forth. He, he had a lot of touchdowns called back. So there's just weapons at his disposal. If the tight end group can elevate from what they showed last year, looking squarely at Dawson Knox there, uh, if, if he can turn into the type of player that he showed flashes of as a rookie, then I think they've got a lot of, uh, you know, they've got a great chance at replicating what they did in 2020 or even surpassing it, dare I say. So I think this is the point where we nitpick, as you said, because this is a very, very well-rounded team. It, it, that brings back not only all the players, but Brian Dable, which I thought was the biggest coup for them of the offseason because everyone thought he was going to be a head coach. And to me, my a lot of my concerns about Josh Allen regressing stemmed from bringing in a different offensive coordinator, right? Because I think Dable's really, really good, and obviously he's developed under him, but not a problem. He He's coming back. Um, and then, as you mentioned, the offensive line – will be healthier. Not sure if Cody Ford is good though, but they they will be healthy. Um I the nitpicking though. So this is an offense that look Josh Allen just was dominant. I don't you can slice it anyway. I mean, he absolutely murdered the blitz. And by the way, teams kind of realized that and stopped blitzing them as the season went on cuz it was stupid. Um but under pressure, not under pressure, clean pocket, um on the move. He crushed it. Um, you know, this is the Bills offense that threw the ball a lot, used a lot of play action, their exhibit A for 
play action is successful without an efficient run game, I think. However, you get to the AFC Championship, and I don't think it would be fair to say it was old Josh Allen because that's not at all what happened, but he did two things strike out in my mind. One, I think the absence of an effective run game you really saw where that hurt them, not having that as a changeup. I'm not saying I don't believe that Brian Dable you know, needs to run the ball more, but I think the lack of efficiency on that front was pretty significant and glaring. And you did see Josh Allen, I, I wouldn't say panicking, but you know he was confused by a lot of what Steve Spagnuolo's defense was doing post-snap, which is the thing that he had really progressed at during the year, by the way, his pre- and post-snap reads. So again, nitpicking, <laughs> I feel like I needed to say that caveat a hundred times, do you think either of those things could be what, again, stops the Bills from getting past the Chiefs? Because that's where we're at with the Bills. We're not talking about winning the division. We're talking about winning the Super Bowl. Right. And and nitpicking. Uh, Got to, you know, say it just in case, you know, some Don't Bills fans are coming us. in right now. Yeah. <laughs> nitpicking. Um, no, I don't think that the the lack of like a dominant run game is going to is going to hurt them too much because I mean if you're if you're looking to beat the Chiefs by running the ball then what you're you're just trying to go you're trying to play yes. ball control here and I think that's kind of a scared money don't make money approach to beating Kansas City sure. uh, I, I think Buffalo's got the horses to go blow for blow with them um, granted I don't know if this is an excuse but Diggs playing on a torn oblique Beasley playing on an actual broken leg last year I'm, I'm not sure how much of an impact that had and I, yeah. I, I think they did just flat out get out coached and outplayed but uh, I, I think that they're a little better than they're a little closer to Kansas City than that final score suggested. But um, they aren't afraid to just throw the ball 50 times a game. I mean, when you look at that that Seahawks game in I want to say week eight, week nine, I, I they ran the ball fewer than 10 times or less than 10 yeah. times. Excuse me, grammar police. <laughs> and that offense looked about as it looked better than than ever. Granted, that's against the Seahawks' pass defense, but they're not afraid to dial that up. On the contrary, when they go against New England, who's a decisively better uh, defense against the pass, they weren't afraid to just yes. pound the ball in the trenches and, and win that way. So I, I think that they're okay with where their run game is right now. I know they don't have a Ezekiel Elliott, they don't have a Christian McCaffrey or or one of these you know, Dalvin Cook superstar running backs on their roster, but I think they have enough to to get the job done. Um, I, if, if something happens and they can't throw the ball, then I, I don't know if I don't know how many teams they're going to flat out beat week in and week out with the run game. But I think the run game does enough that it, it won't sink this offense as a whole. I really think losing Zach Moss was like sneaky um, impactful. So. Um, Zach Moss, for those who don't know, is the Bills' second back who they drafted last year. Uh, Utah State, right? Utah State, I believe. Um, uh, just Utah. Just Utah, okay. Regular well, Utah. yeah, I, I, I like him a lot, and I think he's a nice change-up for Singletary, who, who's okay. I, You know, he's okay. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I'm definitely not on the, you know, Bill, Bills need to pound, pound the rock more. The, I mean, the reason they ran the ball with the Patriots is you're right, because the Patriots' pass defense is good, and also the Patriots were begging them to run, which, by the way, is how teams should play the Bills. <laughs> you should try to make them <laughs> run the ball. Um, it, hot tip, guys. All right. That's the Bills. They're really good. They're probably going to win the division, but we're still going to talk about the other teams because, you know, I, I, I think 
all of these teams are really, I'm like excited, legitimately excited to watch every single one of the teams in the AFC East. Um, and I'm particularly excited to watch New England because I just think this team, like, I think it's so fascinating. Like, for, I don't even know where to begin. For, okay, let's start with the offense because that's the big question. I believe this is a true quarterback competition, which I love. And I, I hate, we keep doing these, like, who should be the Patriots starter? I don't know. I truly don't know because, you know, the, the, the case for Cam Newton is that, oh, what we saw last year, terrible situation, no wide receivers, uh, COVID, he was better before, yada, yada, I didn't have a full off season. Okay, fine. But I also feel like they didn't quite figure out, how do I put this, the right offense for him like they were still asking I mean he was in the gun more and there were more RPOs but there are they were still asking him to do some like some Tom Brady stuff and I feel like okay let's see if they spend this whole offseason building an offense for him or if they go to Mac who you know the old offense probably makes more sense for his skill set yeah I I agree with you in that I I don't know if Josh McDaniels did Cam many favors. I also am starting to doubt whether Cam's shoulder can hold up through an entire season. And that really hurts me to say, because I was really excited Mm -hmm. to see Cam Newton play in New England last year. But um, I I think his his resume, I I feel like has earned him the benefit of the doubt to to start the year. Let's see what does a what does a full offseason and a full season with the team do for your comfortability in that offense. Um, I think they, they, they see him as a leader and I, I, that's the kind of guy that Cam is. That's the kind of teammate Cam is and, and guys do tend to rally around him. But, you know, if you, if you can't play, if you can't throw the ball over the course of a 17 now game season, then it, it just seems like a ticking clock for, for Cam Newton. But uh, it, it's New England is a really fascinating team because uh, from, from what I heard, Bill Belichick just looked at the team at the end of the season and said, we flat out didn't have enough talent this year. And I promise you that will never happen again. And so that's why they go out and spend $85 billion on tight ends and other positions. But uh, I I think we're going to see a return to kind of the intermediate passing game. And that fits what Cam Newton does really well. If you look at his final year, like that 2018 season in Carolina, that's what North Turner had him doing. And he was on pace to have the best season of his career before his shoulder deteriorated. So it, if we see a return to that, then I think we we see a kind of second second wind from from Cam Newton. And also, I just don't think Mac Jones is particularly that good. Um, I, I, I reserve the right to change my mind once I see him play in the NFL. But I, I think he was a, I, I don't know, I, I think he's a unspectacular quarterback who benefited from three first round wide receivers Mm. and you know once again prove me wrong please do you know I want to see everybody succeed but that's just that's kind of how I feel about Mac Jones I wasn't I'm not doing backflips for New England's future after they make that pick like you know a bunch of NFL teams agree with you because he did fall to 15 um I you talked about the spending spree I think that's interesting to kind of look at the players they acquired and think about what that means for the offense the fact that that they went so heavy uh well, well we'll talk about the defense later but so heavy on the tight. They, they bought all the tight ends. Bill Belichick said, bring, bring them all to me. Um, it, it obviously indicates that they're probably going to 
use a fair amount of 12 and 22 personnel. And, you know, I think this Patriots offense, like that it's going to be a little old school, you know, um, power running. I think, um, they, you know, they, I like the wide receivers they brought in Nelson Aguilar and, and Kendrick Bourne, um, both of whom immediately like this, I mean, this group, the, the the whole group of wide receivers is a lot of like twos and threes. They, they still don't have a number one, right? Uh, I love Jacoby Myers as yeah. a number two or three. He's, he could even be a two. He's really underrated. But this is going to be the, the 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 centerpiece of this offense is now the run game and the tight ends, undeniably. And um, I I just I'm so fascinated to see how Josh McDaniels, like assuming I do believe Cam's probably gonna be the week one starter, what that looks like. And as you said, like, is, are they, is it going to be uh, really focusing, like targeting the intermediate area of the field? Um, Cam doesn't like boot out. It's a lot of dropbacks off of play action, just straight dropbacks. And I think the tight ends will be really useful in that regard. I'm, I'm just kind of, I don't know. I just, we're not even talking about the offensive line because they're good. I don't really like this offensive line is one of the best in the NFL and it's really deep. I don't really have much to add beyond that, which is obviously conducive to everything we're talking about. But like, I feel like this offense, Marcel, like it could be what we saw last year, but more likely, which was 27th in passing and eighth in running more likely. I think it's probably end up going to end up being about average. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's reasonable to expect. And, and given the names that they added, uh, I, I like Hunter Henry a lot. Uh, if he can stay healthy, I think he's you know one of the better tight ends in the game. I don't know if he's top tier, but he, he's a reliable option when he's healthy. Um, love Jonu Smith, maybe the king of yak uh, as far as tight ends go. Yeah, uh, truly. And Aguilar had a good year, a resurgent year with the Raiders. But I don't know if any of those guys or in, in, even the combination of those guys is vaulting you into an upper echelon passing offense. It's vaulting you from a putrid passing offense to a passable passing yeah. offense. You know, no pun intended there. But like you're when you're you're going from awful to league average, I think here. So I, I, I it's I think important to probably temper expectations mm-hmm. from what we see from from the Patriots air attack. But uh, on the ground. Like Damon Harris a lot, liked him a lot out of college. Uh, Sony Michelle, unclear what you know what exactly he he can do. I think he spent a lot of last year last year hurt, but uh, you know, in mm-hmm. James White is back, and I know as from a fantasy perspective, I've always loved James White. He's been a yearly <laughs> late round addition on like boy, yeah, like, like a, oh snap, a I need someone solid eight yeah. points in a PPR. <laughs> Like, um, solid eight point PPR guy, but uh, okay. again, I, I think it's I, I think average is, is the best way to put this Pats offense. I think their defense is probably going to be the strength of the team. So let's talk about it because I ranked them ninth overall in the NFL. I did a, a defense rankings with Foxworth, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like tempted to keep pushing them up because I just look at this group of players and. I am really excited. So last year, the defense was racked by, you know, injuries, free agent departures, COVID opt-outs, notably. Yeah, I mean, most importantly, Dante Hightower, I think. Um, They finished 18th versus the pass and 32nd versus the run, which, again, is why the Bills ran the ball all over them. Uh, So (laughs) Belichick said this, I'm disgusted. No, he didn't actually say that, but, you know, he acted like it. So they went out and they added a bunch of players. So up front, they added uh, Henry Anderson, I think sneaky good signing for them. 
who can play opposite Lawrence guy, guy with, I guess, uh, God Show will probably man the middle. But they also have Christian Barmore, whom they drafted and I think could be sort of rise up the ranks um, of giving them like an interior pass rush. Then behind them, Hightower's back and Van Noy's back. But you sign Matt Judon and then Josh Uche's rising. I've been watching a lot of Josh Uche randomly over the last few days. and I'm really excited about him. And then Chase Winovich was decent. Like, this is a front seven that is so Patriots-y. Like, these players, the versatility that they bring, um, it, 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 this is like a, to me, like a classic Bill Belichick defense, the front seven. Yeah, and not to mention, of course, Bill Belichick, the, the greatest defensive mind probably in NFL history, pulling the strings. No, I, I think it's, like I really meant it when I said I think this defense is going to be the strength of the team because what that you name all of these guys before even getting to the secondary. Yes, which um, yeah, I, yeah. I believe we reported we ESPN reported that Stephon Gilmore is not expecting to be traded, and if New England mm. is is smart, which they tend to be, uh, they pay him whatever he needs to be paid and enjoy having a lockdown cornerback on you know taking over half their field. Uh, you know, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, like these, this defense breeds turnovers, whether it's from pressuring the quarterback into a, a foul throw or just having hyper-aggressive and, and intelligent defensive backs. I mean, you, you kind of pick your poison here. It, it's not, it is not normal to be able to do what the Bills did last year and say, okay, you have a glaring weakness, so we're just going to attack yeah. it even though it's literally our weakness as well, and we're going to come out on top. That's not... That's not something, and you saw in, I think it was week 16, Belichick's anger finally start to spill over. The, the phone slam that's like yes, immortalized yes. On, on Twitter now. So like, good. I think that's, so when you say Belichick was disgusted, yeah, yeah I, I think he was. And I think the he's utter, coming back for blood in 2021. I wish Belichick, I said this before, that he didn't have to wear a mask. Be, I mean, I'm glad he wore a mask for his health, but I also wanted to see how angry he was all season. Um, yes, 32nd versus the run is not going to happen again with the personnel that they added um, in that front seven. And of course, as you said, the secondary continues to be stacked. I think part of the reason I I, I just thought they'll make it work with Gilmore um, is one, they don't have a lot of depth at outside corner, right? Absent. JC Jackson, it would be like Jalen Mills stepping up potentially, which I don't think it, it, they like. They'd rather have him as like a movable piece, which is, you know, very characteristic yeah. of the past defense. They have all these guys who can be deployed a bunch of different ways. Kyle Duggars, new Patrick Chung, um, still have Adrian Phillips, whatever. But also, Bill Belichick's trying to win now, man. Like, he ain't building for the future. If there's anything I got from this offseason, it's that he was, A, disgusted by last year, and B, like, he wants to, he wants this defense to be very good. He, wa- he wants to compete. So I don't, it doesn't make sense to me for him to trade Gilmore and, like, you know, try to be fiscally responsible or whatever. Like, they got, he wants to win, and it is his organization. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think... Like, again, I have the Bills winning the division, but I, the Patriots, because I'm so optimistic about their defense and I think the offense is going to be better because it has to be, you know, wild card watch. They're a wild card watch. I'll say it. I don't think that's, yeah, I don't think that's outlandish. I, I forgot about Kyle Duggar. That just kind of goes to show how He's, deep this yes. Patriots defense goes. But, yeah, I mean, we're all, I say we, I, I think the NFL is is full of egos. I don't think 
the NFL is full of these folks. <laughs> and regardless what? of what you think of a person like Bill Belichick, there is no way that he watches his team finish 32nd against the run, uh, boo-boo pass offense, miss the playoffs, losing record, and then he goes and watches Tom Brady win in his first year in Tampa Bay. There's no way on God's green earth that he witnesses that. And then it's just like, uh, okay, yeah, well, we'll build for the future. We'll be back in a few years. Like he's 70-something years old now, right? Or he, he just turned 70 or I forget his actual age. He's, around there. He, he's not getting any younger. He's trying to yeah. win now. I don't. He doesn't strike me as a rebuilding type of coach. He's more of a let's spend half a billion dollars to make sure I don't have to rebuild before let's go. You know, kicking back in Cancun. Kicking back. I could see him doing that. Martha's Vineyard, maybe. Well, anyways, week one, New England is playing Miami, which is great. So we will talk about the Dolphins after the break. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Show. M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. So, Marcel, I don't really – I have a lot of trouble predicting what this Dolphins offense is going to look like, in part because the coaches, the offensive coordinator – it's a co-offensive coordinator situation. They've promoted from within George Godsey and Eric Studisville. Hopefully I'm saying his name right. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to be a departure from what Chan Gailey did with Tua. I would love to hear your thoughts on what – you think they should do with Tua Tungavailoa. So last year, um, this is a team that, one, struggled to run the ball. But when Tua played, you know, it, people were – there There was some flashes, I think, of what you saw at Alabama, the accuracy, playmaking, some athleticism too. But uh, he did struggle, especially throwing the ball deep, ranked 31st in QBR and 15-yard-plus passes, and often looked hesitant to throw a deep or to take risk or throw into tight windows. Um, 
I think that has a lot to do with the transition from Bama Open to NFL Open, which you alluded to with one Mac Jones. Uh, and so the Dolphins went out and added a bunch of super fast guys, I, I, I think, hoping that they can use them to stretch the field both horizontally and vertically and get the kind of separation that makes Tua comfortable throwing deep. Like, let me just ask you this. Like, do you think he can take another he can improve upon last season or do you think we saw last year? Like how would you feel as a Dolphins fan about your quarterback? Uh, well, if last year is his ceiling, then I would feel horrible, but uh, I don't think last year, I don't think last year is his ceiling at all. I think you go back to doing what he was doing when he was his most successful and you surround him with guys who can make things happen after the catch. And that sounds, Mm -hmm. you know, that sounds like such a simple concept, but when you look at the the receivers on this roster, you look at Jalen Waddle and you look at Will Fuller, um, even Lynn Bowden, whatever position they've got him playing, and, and Jakeem Grant even, who's more of a returner but still shifty, good vision. It's full of guys who you can get a, you can get them the ball. You know, you can run jet sweeps. You can get it to a five yards from the line of scrimmage and let them turn it into something. And uh, you can scheme these guys open. And uh, I think once he, you know, in theory, sees the ball go through the hoop a little bit, complete some of those short passes, then things are going to open up a little bit down the field. And I think he's going to have the confidence to complete to a guy like Devontae Parker, who I, I don't personally think is the best wide receiver one for this team. Uh, I think it, it might be, mm. it might end up being Jalen Waddle in the, in this, in the near future. But um, you know, when you've got guys, when you doubled up on tight ends by, by drafting uh hundred long out of, I, I want to say Boston college, right? Um, you, you've already got Mike Gusecki. So you've got your safety nets in place already. Uh, and so I, I think that they're on the right track of, of doing what needs to be done to make Tua as comfortable as possible. And again, it's just, it's hammering home, hammering things home with the, with the yak guys. And, and he I, did come out and admit, which I don't, I don't know if it was smart to admit it or not, but we'll see. Uh, he, he admit that he, he didn't really know the playbook last year he wasn't comfortable enough to when he knew a play wasn't going to work to to change it at the line of scrimmage I don't think that's so you know far-fetched to think about for a rookie quarterback who didn't have a full offseason but you would expect to see some of those changes some of that control at the line of scrimmage now in year two if I want to feel good if I'm a Dolphins fan and want to feel good about my quarterback situation 100 percent, and I, I mean I just I think you nailed it it really is about creating windows, not like they don't do Bama open, but look, you know, you have these incredibly explosive skill players. And increasingly, I like the Waddle pick, by the way, at first I was like, eh, it makes feelings about it. But as I thought about Tua and like how he needs to develop in this offense, it started to make more sense to me. Um, And you like, it is all about, designing plays where they can get yards after the catch and where Tua can distribute because he, he is a good decision maker and he is accurate. Um, but you know, like he's, he's, he's not going to be aggressive or he wasn't aggressive at first. And I, you, you want to get coax that aggression out of him and it's a process. Um, again, I really cannot, you, you talked about, you know, jet sweeps. I really think it's important. Like it's not just, Hey, Jalen Waddle, go, you know, run a go route. Like, you want to use him 
horizontally as well. And both these, all these players, Will Fuller is incredible, man. Like he's, he's a really good player. My concern about this offense, aside from Tua being a question mark, which I'm, I'm really just this in wait and see mode with him is not the skill group or even the running backs who are fine. Um, it's the offensive line, which I got a lot of crap last year for criticizing when I said I didn't think it was yeah. a good line. You saw that for Tua. And I and I said Ryan Fitzpatrick makes this line look better because he gets the ball out so quickly. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, for all of his strengths and weaknesses, like that is undeniably something he can do because he's been in the league a million years. And the line, like, and, and I don't know why Dolphins are super defensive of the line. I wasn't, I don't think they're like the worst in the NFL or anything, but you know, they, they weren't good. So I'm actually, I was looking at the depth chart. I'm actually not sure who's going to play where, and that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on because obviously they, you know, they drafted Austin Jackson, they, Robert Hunt, pretty high pick as well, but they did draft Liam Eikenberg out of Notre Dame this year, who Michael Jr. is really high on. They signed Matt Skira to replace Ted Karras as a center. Um, I think they might move Hunt inside if Eikenberg gets a starting job, but like a lot of question marks in this unit overall. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, it, it, I think they're clearly taking steps to to try to you know improve it for the long term. I, like I like going after your left tackle of the future in Austin Jackson, regardless of his time away from the game. Uh, loved Liam Eikenberg. That was a popular, you know, that was a fan favorite uh, for the Bills to go after either late in the in the first or trading up to the early second to grab. Um, you know, they even got, you know, DJ Fluker in there who can maybe figure something out uh, if need be, if he needs to take over for, for Robert Hunt. But, uh, you know, I, I think they're, I think they're improved. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know if I, if I'm looking at the running back depth chart. I, I don't really see any name. Miles Gaskin was decent, of course, last year considering his his draft position. But um, I, I don't know if they're any more spectacular than than this offensive line is. So yeah. I, I I think there is still some work to do in the backfield to you know to to get to a, somebody who you know he can confidently hand the ball off to. But you know I can't in the same breath say that the Bills don't need to run the ball and say well the Dolphins have to run the ball. Well, to be Dolphins, successful, the Bills can pass can... the ball <laughs> really well. <laughs> we don't we don't know if the Dolphins can, so it's a reasonable critique. Um, I have I have Malcolm Brown, who's uh, Gaskin's backup on my fantasy team. He's just like a good running back. Like I don't know if you remember with the Rams, he came in and like produced as well as Todd Gurley that one year. Um, so like I, I'm like sneakily thinking that at some point he might uh, be RB one. But yeah, I I, I just think it kind of like the run game, like much of this, it'll it'll live and die depending on how this line performs. Um, So the Dolphins, like the Patriots, um, the strength of the team is widely seen as a defense. And the the defense is like the Patriots in a lot of ways, right? It's a primarily man defense that what they do, they blitz a lot more than the Pats do because they have to, frankly, like this is not a team that has had, or last year had a true number one pass rusher. Emmanuel Agba was their leading sack acquirer, but um, a lot of his pressures were, and, and I think he's probably going to look for a new deal, but a lot of his pressures were cleanup sacks. So, and, or unblocked ones because they blitz so much. So they went out and they drafted Jalen Phillips, which is a pick I really liked. It does, I do feel like, they he will need to produce 
pretty quickly. However, just given like looking across this defense in the front seven, like other than Agba, is there anyone that jumps out to you? Is like if if you were Josh Allen, you'd be very nervous about. <laughs> um, you know, I I like Christian Wilkins. I, I covered him for a couple years at, at Clemson. Full disclosure. Um, he does have that defensive end, defensive tackle versatility. I believe he was an All-American at both, but that that's college. Um, he's been decent in the NFL. Uh, honestly, I, I haven't seen much of what he's been able to do against the Bills because in, I think, one of his one of his only games, he was ejected on the second play of the game for throwing a punch. But oh, right. still, I forgot he is that. a, you know, yeah, that was like, a, oh, well, all right. Really out of care. He's such a nice, he seems like such a nice guy. He was like, what? Anyways. He is. It was like, a, he's a, a jokester, fun guy. Just to throw a punch is like, man, what did they do to make him that mad that early? So, but either way, I, I think he's in it. He represents significant investment, uh, you know, draft capital uh, as that high first round pick. So I, I think they're expecting big things out of him. I love, I love Jalen Phillips. So I loved that pick. Um, that was one who, if, you know, if he did fall past 25, 26, may have been worth Buffalo trading up for. But uh, I, I think we'll see what he can do. I think they're going to convert him to to what to linebacker in that three four. So we'll see if you know he's just as effective without putting a hand in the dirt. But uh, no, there is no you know big name you know sack acquirer on on this team. It might just be kind of a sum of all parts type of deal. Yeah, and and so they're you know they're super aggressive. I'm I'm sure they played more zero than any team in the NFL. I I would bet on it with, (laughs) um, I think they did it against the bills a fair amount too. And, you know, mixed success, (laughs) but, um, part of the reason they they can be so, uh, aggressive is because, uh, the secondary was so good last year and I still think they're good, but in the same way that I said, uh, Jalen Phillips might have to step up and contribute immediately I actually think Javon Holland, the safety they drafted out of Oregon, uh, he might actually have to step up pretty quickly with Bobby McCain gone. So they, you know, they still got their corners, assuming Xavier Howard stays or you know doesn't hold yeah. out. Uh, that's a weird one because well, I talked about it with Greg. It, it's, it's like he's got so many years left. You know, it's it's complicated and um, but. Yeah, there's Eric Rowe who converted to safety and, and has played well, but like, and, and then they, they brought in Jason McCourty. Um, but I think I really liked Holland uh, before he opted out in 2019 when he played. I don't know if he's ready to step into this defense immediately, but he might have to. He, he very well might have to because who else is going to? I mean, <laughs> you, you, I don't know if you're throwing, uh, I don't know if you're, you're ready to start. McCordy up out there. I, I don't know if you know Nate Hiley or Trill Williams. If we're going to be naming, uh, yeah. we're, we're speaking of great names in this past draft. Like there's there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of other guys who are built for that that starting role right away. But that's the that's kind of the the burden you carry when you go early in the draft. When you go in the second round, you very well might have to fill a an immediate role. But um, yeah. no, it, it makes sense for them to run so much cover zero. That's why you put so much money into your defensive backfield specifically at, at corner, obviously with, with Howard and, and Byron Jones. Um, and, and Noah, I, I am not going to disrespect the man by mispronouncing his last name. Igbenogany, I believe. Igbenogany. I've, Igbenogany. 
I'm mean, so mad if I messed it up because I've actually I have practiced this. Um, I wish I he great name, not great play last year, by the way. <laughs> no, and I know he Igbenogany sounds about right, but I, I I do know he got his welcome to the NFL moment. Yes. against the Bills in week two when yes. Byron Jones leaves with a hamstring injury. And he says, okay, go cover Stephon Davis. No help. Oh, God. Yes. That, that that's is- tough to bounce back from. and uh, But it's a, it's a valuable lesson that, you know, this is not the SEC anymore. Like, you, you're going to have to come bring it. But so, uh, you know, I think the secondary is, again, turnover forcing. I, I want to say that they led the league in turnovers last year, but I, I could be wrong. Which, which or, is or concerning, the by the way. Because the, the Dolphins have a lot of things where you're like, oh, that really broke. Like they had a lot of weird special team stuff, turnovers. And those are things when you're looking to next year where you're like, oh, it might not happen again. I mean, I, I think their corners are really, really good. So, and like we discussed, they're aggressive. So they're, they're probably going to get a fair amount of turnovers, but a little bit of a concern about some regression there. Exactly, like, like unsustainable figures, just like you. We thought yes. in um, a couple years ago with the with the Patriots defense leading the league in interceptions. You figured they're not going to get forty interceptions again, whatever. I know it's not forty, but you know what I'm trying to say here. You figure they're not going to do that, so there's got to be some room for regression. But uh, you know, when you were a, a fringe playoff team last year, and that's not really what you want to hear. You don't want to hear about mm. you know possible regressions or, or not being able to not being able to displace what you're, what you're getting from that, from that regression. Uh, I just can't, you know, I want to do, I do want to take this opportunity to bring that little tidbit of history back up that this team needed to win one game against the bills who sat several starters, not all of them, but several starters and lost by 30. And uh, I'm curious how much that motivates you going forward, especially if you're Tua who played a, a horrendous game without Ryan Fitzpatrick available. <sighs> I, I'm curious how much, you know, how much do you replay that? How much does that kind of burn yeah. into you as you prepare for the coming season? Man, that was brutal. I, th- I think that the optimist case for Miami is that even if the Dolphins defense regresses a little bit or maybe things don't go their way, that Tua with a full off season and an offense, a new offense and uh, this great complement of skill players that he takes enough of a leap forward to where they go from being, you know, a fringe playoff team to an actual wild card team. And it's totally possible. I'm so wait and see on this team. I just got to see Tua. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I got a pretty good handle on like the bills and you know, the, the pats to some degree, the defense, but the Miami's a real wild card for me. The final team, I, I should have done the jets first. I feel like I always do the jets last. I, I have been asking people, I'm not going to ask, well, you just probably looked at the depth chart, so this isn't that fun. But I have been asking people who cover football for a living all morning, can you name two Jets cornerbacks and none of them good? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, it is a cha- It is a problem for this team. I could name one before I went and looked at the depth chart, and then I looked at the other names, and I was like, damn. I did not know this man. I, you know that the, the uh, Kiki Palmer meme. Uh, he could be walking down the street. The, I, I do. I, I don't did know this not man. know this. <laughs> that is how I feel, I feel like they about drafted, like, dude. I feel like they drafted um, somebody I really liked a couple years ago. Bryce Hall. Um, the Bryce Hall is, of, the, is the name I know. Yes. Yes. That's the one yes. I knew, Marcel. 
the others and, uh, uh, and Michael Michael Carter because they also drafted Michael Carter. The only that I know because they, yes, because they drafted two Michael Carter. So then that one popped into my head at the last second. Um, but you know he's a late round draft pick, um, unlikely to like Bryce Hall is probably their best corner. And which is not it's great. (laughs) So, uh, the incredibly named Javelin Guidry, um, hopefully I'm saying his name right, Blesson Austin, Corey Ballantine. Oh, I knew him because he used to be with New York. Um, Brandon Eccles, and then Michael Carter the third. Yeah, it is. Oh my god, they also have Lamar Jackson corner. Yes, they have cornerback. Who got roasted by Henry Ruggs last year? When your one job is just don't let anybody behind you. Yes, this, I, that was, was Lamar oh, Jackson. Poor right? guy, poor guy. Yes, yeah, that was that was rough. That was not his fault. But you know what? And nobody remembered it was Lamar Jackson. The other, everybody just remembered it was Greg Williams. Um, okay, so we're gonna go back to front here. So that clearly cornerback is a problem. Marcus May is the best player in the secondary uh, safety. Uh, they've also got Ashton Davis, who like they oh, who's been like really hot and cold, and Lamarcus Joyner. But cornerback, man. I don't like Robert Sala. Like he cooked up some pretty like good Niners defenses out of some really injured rosters, but this is a significantly worse secondary than anything he had in San Francisco. Yeah, it's it's really sad. I pulled up the I pulled up the depth chart <laughs> again just to get you know another, and it's it's brutal. It's brutal if they don't get to <laughs> if they don't get to the quarterback. Like if pass rush doesn't do its job, they are burnt. Like I don't, I don't see any difference maker in the secondary besides, like you said, Marcus May. But it's one person. He can't be, he can't be everywhere. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's gonna be too hard to avoid him if you're if you're an offense. But yeah, Robert Sala's got his work cut out for him. But I mean, luckily, like it's not all when it comes to this Jets defense. Like it's not all a disaster. Like this this front seven is is really good, and it, especially with adding adding Carl Lawson to it. Yes. I, so I, I really like this front seven. So that's okay. Jets hands. We got the bad stuff out of the way, by the way, all those free agent corners. We talked about the bills. The Jets should probably sign Richard Sherman. Um, the front seven. I don't know if Richard Sherman will play in the Jets, even though he played with, he loves Robert Sal. Okay. Sorry. So they're there. It's going to be a four, three under Robert Sala. One assumes, um, which I love for Quinn and Williams, by the way, playing three tech. They brought in Carl Lawson, who I think is really good. So, and then Sheldon Rankins is there too, also in the front. Um, and then CJ Mosley comes back from opting out. I guess that means Gerard Davis will probably play outside linebacker. Anyways, uh, this to me, like, since we don't really know what's going to happen in offense, this should be the strength of the team, the the front under Robert Sala. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, even looking at the looking at their depth pieces, look at uh at linebacker, Hamsa Nasrildin, uh, yeah. I mean, he was mocked as like a second or third round pick. I think that's a guy who can play a little hybrid linebacker and, and, and safety. So he might, you know, give a little boon to that secondary. But no, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, I think adding a guy like Carl Lawson is gonna open things up for Quinn and Williams off sudden offensive line. Can't just put you can't just put all your attention on 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 Quinnen. You you've got to worry about Lawson. You've got to worry about Sheldon Rankins. And uh, you know, CJ Mosley opted out last year. I think that left a, a massive hole in the middle of their defense. Him coming back, I mean he not to keep turning everything back to the Bills, but I, I do cover the Bills. He almost single handedly beat them in week one 2019. 
before he was hurt. And I don't think he, his his tenure with the Jets ever really took off after that. But he, he is a an absolute difference maker in his own right. So uh, there there's a lot to work with in the front seven of this defense. You add maybe one or two cornerbacks who can play football and this defense has some legs. Yeah, we'll see. I, I like I, I'm making assumptions about the defense too that it's going to be what we saw in San Francisco, which by the way changed over the course of Robert's uh, career. There, you know, it started out as a very Seattle four three under cover three, but he really diversified um, both in the front and the back as time went on. So I, I imagine he'll adapt his defense to the personnel he has. By that same token, though, we assume this is going to be the San Francisco offense, right? Because Michael LaFleur is coming in as offensive coordinator from San Francisco. Uh, Zach Wilson, of course, ran a somewhat similar offense at BYU. So the assumption is it's going to be, you know, outside zone, play action, boot out, all that good stuff. Um, I love the skill players. I'll start there. I... Love is strong. I like the skill players. Uh, You know, Mims, Davis... Crowder, Elijah Moore, Keelan Cole. That's a good group. But, you know, it, it's, it, it, it just all depends on Zach Wilson. Yeah, they have skill players for sure. Um, you know, Mims, I don't think, really got off the ground but showed some flashes last year. Corey Davis was underrated in Tennessee. Um, Jamison Crowner is the PPR lord. And Elijah Moore, obviously a lot of teams excited about him, a lot of people excited about him coming out of Ole Miss. But like you said, it, it, it does really all depend on Zach Wilson because I'm looking at the uh, looking at the depth chart behind him, and this might be the most automatic rookie starter who, in recent memory. I, I, James Morgan and Mike White. Why didn't they sign um, Nick Mullins? Because Nick Mullins signed in Philly, right? Like that would have seemed... Huh. You, you would have th- thought like they would be a yeah. pretty, you know, yeah. pretty easy easy choice but you know like you said with the play actions and roll out they must have been sold as soon as zach wilson made that yeah. throw scene around the world on twitter <laughs> uh which it, it was an impressive throw i want to see it from from zach wilson um I, I obviously i think he's better than 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 mac jones but if, if i'm new york i i still wouldn't have passed on justin fields personally mm. but uh I, I think zach wilson does have plenty of arm strength um, reports out of Jets camp this spring have all been positive towards him as a as a leader and just as a as a passer. Uh, I do love speaking of reports out of Jets camp because I, I see a friend of mine, DJ Bienemy, um, over at the Daily News, kind of entertaining Jets fans throughout the offseason. Uh, Jets fans firmly believe that they have the best one through five receiving corps in the in the NFL. The NFL. And, uh, I mean it's a, in the NFL, Damn. it is a weird thing to 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 brag about, but yeah, they are they firmly believe they have the deepest wide receiver cords in the NFL. Uh, that is and, not uh, true. <laughs> They're good though. I like them. Yeah. I okay. I also like the running back group. I, I, I skipped over them. Like so, Tevin Coleman, obviously from San Francisco. They drafted Mike Carter one, whom I whom I really liked a lot watching UNC tape. Um, so I, I I love the fit of those guys again in the zone rushing attack. Makes a ton of sense. Uh, I, they're still hoping for that, like Chris Herndon breakout because he was kind of bad. Like yeah, after that rookie year, he was really good and whatever. Um, but, but with Zach Wilson, I want to see two things, Marcel. I want to see how he responds to pressure, which is not something he had to do very often in college. Um, and you know, the Jets did make some changes to the offensive line, which we can also talk about. 
Uh, so I want to see that. And then I want to see how he does um, throwing the ball over the middle of the field, which is a signature. Like that offense, when we think about it, we think about, you know, crossers and um, we, we think about these sort of in-breaking routes. But Zach didn't like he he did some of that in college, but I wouldn't call it his strength. So I think those are the two things I want to see out of him early on. Like, how does he look? in NFL game situation, because again, like it was really hard to tell based on his college tape. And with guys like, like Crowder and, and Elijah Moore, I don't know if they, how often they plan on putting them both on the field at the same time, but mm. you do have guys who separate pretty quickly. And I, that's, yes. that is the, you know, I said earlier that height is super overrated when it comes to receivers. Separation is the number one trait a, a receiver can have besides, you know, catching, catching the ball but so luckily he does have two guys that I think will be able to separate pretty well uh in the NFL uh, obviously Crowder has shown that more we'll see um and and I think Corey Davis uh I, I want to say you know I, I've seen a few you know from the Tennessee tape that I've seen or watched last year uh you know he's good over the middle and he does have that big body where you know he's not afraid of taking a hit where you know he's quick and agile enough that he can, you know, he can make something happen after the catch across the middle. Like they do have, they do have the, the, the weapons and we'll see if Chris Herdman can finally be the, the tight end that he he's been hyped up as. Uh, I, I think he's kind of been you know, a little roller coaster, a little, a little underwhelming uh, over the past few years. Uh, they do have Tyler Croft here, another former bill who, uh, mm. you know, didn't really, you know, didn't really get a chance to, didn't really get a chance to settle in. I think he battled injuries throughout most of his two years here, but uh, you know, it's still a, a reliable pass catcher. Uh, but uh, he's got the weapons and he's got the coaching staff, I think to, to build success here in, in New York. Uh, I just, you know, I, I think it's more what goes on between the ears for him. Um, mm. If he can, if he can acclimate quickly, if he can get used to speed of competition. I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, Mac and Tua getting used to guys not being Bama open. Uh, let's what's Zach Wilson going to do when guys aren't Ooh. Mountain West open? <laughs> so so, uh, uh, well, the more the bigger thing too is just what's he going to do when without that BYU pocket? <laughs> um, I do think, however, that the Jets have made some really good upgrades to their offensive line. Obviously, trading up for Elijah Vera Tucker. However, you feel about the value, they clearly wanted to. Um, get him to play start at left guard. And then they went out and signed Morgan Moses to a one-year deal, which is something I hoped they would do. Um, you know, just solid NFL player. I mean, with all due respect to George Fant. So and then now they have some death there as well. So still some question marks on the inside, you know, the right guard. But this is a much better line than – like this is probably, I think, better than any line Sam Darnold played with. I mean, this whole group – is bet everything about the Jets offense yeah. from the coaches to the skill players to the line better than everything Sam Darnold worked with. So Zach is already being set up for improvement. If not, like, I don't think this is a playoff team because it's just the aforementioned uh, inability to name the second cornerback amongst other things. But I do think he can have like a, the pieces are in place for him to have a nice debut this season. Oh, absolutely. There. And that credit Joe Douglas for doing for Zach Wilson, what, Nobody really ever did for for Sam Darnold, and yeah, putting an actual team around him, you know, protecting him, giving him people to throw to, 
Uh, I mean, it was at one point when Rashad Perriman and the Yeehaw gang are your, your top two receivers. Like you're, you're, that's not conducive for success. Uh, I'm happy for Sam Darnold to found a situation in Carolina where he's got plenty of weapons and, you know, I'm excited to see what he does with the fresh start. But yeah, I think Zach Wilson is, he is in position to succeed. We just, we got to see it from him. All right. Final prediction as we wrap in order, how would you rank these teams? Uh, Bill's obvious number one, uh, yeah. best roster top to bottom. I think best coaching staff, although like it's, it is, you know, kind of a tie or a toss up between them and new England, um, and best quarterback, most importantly. And that one's not even particularly close. Uh, second got new England. Um, I think Belichick comes back with a vengeance. I trust that veteran roster more than I do any other team. And I think if Cam Newton is healthy, across a full season that that's the second best QB in this division. Um, right behind them though, I, I've got Miami. Uh, I don't think Tua crashes and burns in year two. I think he is decisively better, but uh, I, I still am not a, I don't know if he's that much of a difference maker. I think defense falls off a little bit and, and the offense can't do enough to make up for, for the regression. Uh, and then obviously the New York jets there at number four. Um, Interesting pieces, but, um, you know, if they don't do something at corner, they could be the new Seattle Seahawks when oh, it comes to what teams do in the passing game. Ouch. All right. Eventually. Well, wow. You're like getting the dig in at me. And usually I end with the dig and the guess. This is a role reversal. You know what? Let's just get to the final five questions. And now it's time for dinks and dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? As always, five questions. For our guests. Question number one. Aside from Kansas City, who do you think is Buffalo's biggest competition in the AFC? I think it's the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know, they just continue to stockpile talent on both sides of the ball. Um, Baker, I feel like, has hit his ceiling, but he's still a, a good NFL starter. Uh, I think the world is somehow undervaluing Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, once he, you know, gets a full, if he's fully healthy, uh, this is one of the best set of pass catchers in the, in the NFL, including the receivers and tight ends. Good defense. Miles Garrett is a one-man wrecking crew, can ruin your day by himself. Love Denzel Ward there in the secondary. So uh, I, I would have to say it's the Cleveland Browns in the AFC. Yeah. If you happen to catch my pod last week, I was really oscillating between the Browns and Ravens, like Browns, Ravens, Browns, Ravens, Browns, Ravens. But I, my belief is that the uh, – Bills, Browns, and Ravens are in that tier right below Kansas. I think the Bills are above them, but um, I agree. So question number two, let's stay with the Bills for a second. Um, there's been some hubbub. Every now and then you'll see an NFL player trending on Twitter and you don't know why. And you realize it's just because PFF dropped some ranking and people are mad because he's not on there. Where do you think Stefan Diggs, who was ranking one day, ranks amongst NFL wide receivers? You can just do like top five, top 10. You don't have to like give me a specific number. Top four, top four or five. Ooh. I mean, I said it when we we did this pod. We did the podcast last year. And I called him a top eight, and I remember you had a similar similar reaction. And I, I don't think it's so crazy to say anymore. Like, but to put him at, I think it was nine, nine or ten, like PFF did, forty five or forty fifth best player in the league overall. I I think uh, you know Bills fans <laughs> are the most defensive people in in the NFL. I love you guys, but it's true. It's true. Uh, <laughs> 
they are onto something when they say, I think PFF might do things just to get a rise out of Bills fans because they know they're going <laughs> to blow it up on social media. <laughs> Those rankings were also like, everybody looked, kept looking at them and thinking they were saying like, this is the 45th receiver. And it's like, no, 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 they're ranking all the players and there's a lot of players and a lot of positions. Uh, but yeah, uh, top four, mm, mm, I got to think about it. I definitely think he is top six. <laughs> That's such a cop out. I'm like, not I top four, I'm top six. I think I take He's Devontae. Really I think I take Tyreek. Yeah. There's one that I, there's one more name that I'm absolutely, and I just was, I was just talking about this on Twitter too. There's one more name um, that I'd probably take over him, but then beyond that, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really take sure. Over, I, I Take him over Julio? Oh, Healthy Julio? Hmm. Toss up. Toss up. All Healthy right. Julio. We're going to move on. Question three. Uh, I think you're watching as much NBA as I am, which is to say my butt is permanently glued to my couch at this point because I am addicted to the NBA playoffs. Uh, And so you saw Chris Paul put up his masterpiece. Who would you say is the Chris Paul of the NFL? So like guy who's been around forever, hasn't won the chip, maybe like is, you know, has, has that kind of game. Who would you compare him to? Mm, Maybe Matt Ryan. Guy who's just been around for a long time has all the has all the stats, except for the fact that Matt Ryan's actually reached the that final stage and just didn't finish. Um, mm. But I maybe maybe Ryan maybe Matt Stafford as well would be a yes. good one. Well, Matt Stafford's very like pleasant. So you know, uh, along those lines, how about Philip Rivers? I mean, obviously he's not in the league anymore, but like widely seen as really good people are people are probably gonna say this is chris paul disrespect it's not why i think Philip Rivers is awesome but also like very like an irritant <laughs> on, on the court yeah, like kind of ornery yeah like ornery like, yeah 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 i like plus you get the actual you know he's had some playoff success but not not all not the way really. yes love that you know, yeah he's won some game but yeah all right so let's scrap everything i just said and let me co-sign philip rivers with you i asked you the question i was like oh my answer um okay so you've been in buffalo now for three years uh, Long time? it's it's been two years as of today yeah. actually okay. my question is not about the bills but about the city of buffalo what is the number one thing you would recommend to anyone visiting buffalo to do to anyone visiting Buffalo to do. Um, could be a restaurant, could we'll be a place to this, go. We'll see if this counts, and I might catch a little bit of hell for picking such a, a tourist trap, but like <laughs> you have to go see Niagara Falls. It's about 20 minutes out of town, Niagara Falls. but it's close enough. You have to go see it. It's like truly the most incredible thing I've ever put my eyes on. It's actually uh, like if you so scary Buffalo, to me. Like it is horrifying man. like when you watch niagara the niagara river you kind of say okay this thing is moving not slow so i, I can see why <laughs> niagara falls is what it is but then you go see it or you go take the boat ride and it's just like i my first thought was how does anyone how did anyone get in a barrel and <laughs> and say i did can you? survive this like that's just oh. the pure cockiness of early 20s america I went as a kid, so I haven't been back since then. And they used to do the thing where you could take your photo where it looks like you're in a barrel going down. I wonder if they, they must still have that. You know, like when you poke your head, those like cutout things. Or you poke your, so what I have, we have a childhood picture of me and my brother in these like pretend like we're in a barrel going down. 
that's all I remember. That and is, also, I was a kid, so I wasn't that scared because I was too dumb to be like afraid. Now I would go there and I'd be like, "Oh my god, this is scary! I hate it." Like it's it really is just a it, it's a marvel. And so, like, I know it's like someone going to Arizona and telling them to go see the Grand Canyon, but like, <laughs> you should probably go see the Grand Canyon if you're in Arizona. You should. It's awesome. If you're, it's also scary. In, yeah, if you're intent on staying in Buffalo city limits or, or in the city, um, then you have to go get the Cajun honey butter or Cajun honey butter barbecue wings from Barbill. Um, okay. okay, they are, they are. I mean, I've never even heard of that flavor before. My first time going, it's such a unique combination of flavors. Like I can't really describe it to you, but you're you're just gonna want you're gonna want more. But bring cash; it's cash only. That's a good recommendation. All right, last question, as always, comes from Eleni, who heard you disrespect me earlier with the Seahawks disrespect. So he 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 asked for a little bit of help from me, and I um I told him you're a Sacramento Kings fan. Speaking of the NBA, and Lenny wants to know how you've enjoyed watching DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, and Trey Young, the stars of the 2018 draft, thrive in the postseason. Oh, he cut me deep there, Len. He really did. Um, it has been so bittersweet. Like, I've been quietly rooting for everybody to lose, but, like, this, there's just no way the Suns are losing. I just, out of the top five, like, how did the Kings pick the one guy that didn't pop? Because you're the kings! 